and welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for discussions on weird old movies and such. I am, as usual, your host, James Eldred, back again. Sorry for the delay. And I got back with me, Norm. Hey, it's Norm, also known as Normally Retro of A Question of Character. And I am very happy to see you back, and I'm very happy to see that you are talking and healthy, relatively. I'm, well, I'm talking. Okay. That's, <laughs> a, not, that's, that's a start. <laughs> let's not go crazy. Yeah, so this is the first episode. Like this, this, this is going up in Japan time, going up on the 6th of April. Um, this is the first, that would be the first episode since March 9th. So mm-hmm. we're usually bi-weekly here, but I had to have surgery on my sinus cavity and nose and other areas up there. So uh, I could not podcast, obviously. I, for two mm-hmm. weeks, I had two giant pieces of silicon up my nose. Oh, man. So just like really stuffing, like sound. Well, you, you can, sound literally like can't use your nose. You literally can't use your nose. Like it's just okay. closed. And then after that, and still continuing on, like twice, two to three times a day, I have to do a nasal rinse because it's not. Um, so if I sound a little different, that's why. <laughs> um, I am still in recovery. I'm getting better slowly. It's not just a typical deviated septum surgery. Mine was very complex. Apparently, my my sciences were just fucked. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the uh, part that was disruptive to your body is over, so now it's just a recovery. I mean, for this health problem, yes. I still have two other ones i got to take care of. But, <laughs> oh, jeez. Trying to keep it positive here. <laughs> I'm try- <laughs> I appreciate that, Norm. Thank you very much. Yes. But uh, d- before we talk about the t- today's movie, you know, I have been out of commission for like a month and I watched like 800 movies. Um, Norm, have you seen anything, any old good movies lately? So I have been watching movies as you have as well. And uh, I've seen a few. I'm, I had to go back to The Greasy Strangler. I love The Greasy Strangler. I don't know if you ever saw it before. The Greasy uh, Strangler. Yeah, I'm surprised if you haven't heard it. It's probably up your alley and and fairly recent too. Uh, but uh, it's, no, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like literally insane. But mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, you know, my wife and I we watch it all the time, and we just started like dancing to the music. So, uh, but also I watched. Uh, man, you would love the soundtrack for this if you haven't heard it already. Uh, Young Blood. It's like an old seventies movie. Young and, Blood. Uh, mm-hmm. You got me war- googling. And War did the soundtrack for it. Like, the Ooh, title song uh, is so dope. Oh, my God. You a, would love it. The 80s movie with Keanu Reeves? No, it's not that one. It's not, okay. Not, it's it's uh, black gang life. So, I know it's another oh, okay. young yeah, blood, yeah, yeah. but, like, white hockey life. So, it's a big difference. Okay. But, so, with, with I don't know any of these actors. Um, I don't either. Okay. So, it's not just me. I just, happened to, okay. I just happened to catch it, like, on, like, you know, late night cable. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. like, it was pretty good. But that song came on at the end. It was like, oh, we just started grooving. It was so dope. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It has, um, I don't know, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, Brian O'Dell, Jeff Howell. I don't know these people. And I watch a lot of Black Swedish movies. All um, household names that we don't yeah, know. Yeah, and it has one <laughs> white guy, but he's not the bad He's a social worker. Not, not the bad Oh, is, is Corelli the bad guy? I do not know the names of the people. Because <laughs> usually, usually when there's, you see the cast of a 70s last place in film and there's the one white guy. Oh, like the same guy over and over? Okay. Well, that's the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like it's like when you watch the old Jackie Chan movie, the British people, the bad guys. It's of like course. if you watch <laughs> I, I watched during my um recovery, I wa- I rewatched Cleopatra Jones. Okay. 
which is a banger, and uh, that has Sully Winters as a psychotic lesbian drug dealer. Oh, nice. Which I fucking love. There's a, there was, I was, I'm on Letterboxd a lot now because I got a lot of free time, and I was uh, reading reviews of that, and somebody was like going into this long, way too long, like essay about the history of perceived homophobia in black culture and i i think the person who wrote it was a white woman but anyway um i was like it took me like five minutes to realize why is he talking about homophobia in this awesome movie with this great gay character like oh yeah it's supposed to be a stereotype but she's dope so who the fuck cares um, basically yeah that movie's great but i've watched so far this between my influenza and my surgery I have watched. Let me let me go look at my profile. I'm I'm logging everything on on Letterbox now. I okay. have watched 124 movies this month, this year, this year. Wow! In in it's it is, as of this recording, it is eight, uh, March 30th. So um, I can't go. I'm not going to run down everything I watched since my last episode because I think it's about 40 movies. <laughs> but You're like a speed round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, highlights. Um, <laughs> let me see. Warlock. The uh, old 1989 horror movie with uh, Julian Sands. We watched that because Julian Sands is presumed dead. He's an actor. He was the he is the um, bug guy in Arachnophobia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah. uh, he is he, the he, he he is presumed dead. He went hiking and has been missing for months. Um, oh, jeez. And he's on oh, my. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. this box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's on my he's one of my boyfriend's favorite actors because he's in he's in a room with a view. Which is like the okay. uh, British as fuck. That movie has Maggie Smith and uh, I think Judy Dench. I forgot. It's very British. But I was telling my boyfriend, like, no, Americans don't know him from that. They know him from Warlock. <laughs> so he watched <laughs> Warlock. And Warlock is fun. Warlock is like, um, it's like the Terminator, but with wizards that from the past. Instead really? of. I, I thought it would be like Hi- Highlander or something like that. It's not that good. It's very fun though. It's it's a silly movie and it has the girl from Footloose. And what else? I watched uh Cocaine Bear, that was funny. Um no. I watched Stay Hungry, which is a 1976 movie with um Jeff Bridges, Sally Field, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Never heard of that with those people in it's that movie. It's a weird one. I recommend that one. And what any Oh, one two more to recommend really quick. Cohen and Tate, which I probably will have on this podcast if I could ever find anybody else who has seen it. Okay. It is a 1988 film with Roy Scheider and unfortunately Alec Bald- Adam Baldwin, the, the worst Baldwin. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the Gamergate Baldwin. Okay. But it was written and directed by Eric Red. Eric Red wrote The Hitcher. Oh, okay. Yeah, The and Hitcher was he weird. And wrote yeah. Neo Dark. Not weird, um, but kind of more like eerie. Eerie and kind of surreal and. His style is very minimal, I would say. Like mm-hmm. his right, like like the Hitcher, the Hitcher is a minimal as fuck movie. Like it, mm-hmm. it just goes. And Cohen and Tate has like five people in it. Like it's super, it's super sparse. And it's a two hitmen who are charged with murdering an eight year old, an eight year old boy's family and taking him to a mob boss who wants to kill him because he witnessed a crime. Oh, really? Okay. And then the eight year old basically plays mind games with these two guys. <laughs> the and it it is not it is it sounds kind of it's not it's it is a it is a fucked movie mm-hmm. there are no good people in this movie except for the kid but it is amazing amazing movie and i highly recommend it and then i also watched the ambulance which i wanted to watch earlier because that's a larry cohen film mm-hmm. who i just talked about in my last episode about with that with diamond uh cue the wing serpent and yeah, i have to see that too by the way 
oh, that's a great movie. This is almost as good. And this is about a guy who finds out that diabetics are being kidnapped by an evil ambulance in New York City. <laughs> um, okay. And then it gets weird. It has, yeah, yeah. It, it's a by, by Larry Cohen, and it has Eric Roberts, everyone's favorite Roberts, Red Buttons, and James Earl Jones playing the most deranged, like, imagine uh, Morgan Freeman and Seven on at, like, this high as a kite. Really? And that's, my, my the, that's well, go ahead. What I was gonna say, my wife has a soft spot for Eric Roberts. Oh, somebody has to. Um, oh, also, it has Stan Lee. Really? Oh, wow. Because Eric Roberts' character is a comic book artist and oh, okay. he works at Marvel. And so Stan Lee is playing himself. Uh, it is an insane movie. Uh, even, even for Larry Cohen standards, it's nuts. And I've never seen anything like it. I gave it five stars. It's not perfect. The ending's kind of rushed, but it is a crazy movie. It is drenched in 80s neon. Uh, Eric Roberts has the worst mullet you'll ever see. <laughs> like, bottom five mullets, or top five mullets. Um, and it's just a crazy, bizarre movie. I, I really recommend it. Uh, you can watch that on Amazon. You can get you know how Amazon has like those channels? Yeah. There's one called Screen Picks, which I think is just where they dumped a bunch of old MGM movies. Um, That's where I watched uh, Youngblood. Oh, oh, there you go. So, yeah, there's weird shit there. Uh, I would say it's worth the $4 one month, get it, watch Ambulance. Uh, okay. And then Youngblood. And I'll check out Youngblood. And then uh, I'll let you know how I feel about it. But, Real uh, quick, yeah. going back to uh, Roy Schneider, since you brought him up, and he looked really serious in that uh, box cover for a Cohen and whatever, too. Oh, he does. Cohen and Tate, yeah. yeah. Really serious, but uh, blue. You know he's in uh, Blue Thunder, and uh, on the TV oh, show, yeah. I never knew that uh, Danny Dana Carvey was part of the Blue Thunder show. It was so weird to me. Like, I know? don't remember the TV show. Yeah, yeah, and Dana Carvey was like the uh, the backup pilot. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, yeah, you like know in, it's weird. Careers are weird, you know. Um, Blue Thunder also a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, man, the early '80s were great if you liked helicopters. Yeah, I know, right? Airwolf in <laughs> Airwolf and Blue Thunder. Uh, yeah. My brother and I used to argue about which was cooler. I think Airwolf had a better music. Yeah, better than And Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wins. But anyway, uh, enough about helicopters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Noam, you recommended today's movie. We are talking about <laughs> Terror Vision. Yeah, that, I mean, then rolls off your tongue. Terror From Vision. From 1986. Um, okay, Norm, uh, why? I, I'll give you exactly the reason why. There's a really, really good reason. So about when I was, what, this is 86. I had to be, what, like eight, nine years old. Um, so I'm out, you know, on bikes as 80s kids do. Uh, out in sunshine, nice day, playing, what, football on the field. And this one kid <laughs> keeps singing this song. I'm sure you know which song I'm going to sing. And then it's like, you know, he keeps, so the first time, you know, I kind of, we just kind of keep playing the game, you know, then like, you know, goes on to like the afternoon, going to the evening. This kid is still singing. And I'm like, dude, what are you singing? What, what is terror vision? Like, man, it's this movie where like this TV turns into a monster and they go, uh, try to kill this family. I'm like, what? Terror vision? And it's the song. Is, is that song in there? He's like, yeah, it's the theme song. And he's like, do 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 terror vision. And I'm like, man, I have to see 
what this is. I, I, there's no way I can go, you know, any longer uh, without finding this theme song some way through hella hot water. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> so then I went to the video store <laughs> and I saw uh, Terravision there because he told me it was the video store we had was Video Village, and he, you know, I picked it up, threw it in, and uh, so. My experience with it, it was disturbing to me because <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like the themes were not child appropriate and a lot of it went over my head still. But oh, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I'm, well, most kids don't know about swinging. I don't know. Maybe there's <laughs> I some hope if they do, there's people a problem. That's what I'm saying. You know, people in certain areas of the world, I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, it was just like the... Uh, the set piece, the uh, like, the whole decor, like I was like really dark. The colors were like, you know, really odd. Like, like they were like dark pinks and like dark yeah. greens. They, they were like, they like neat. They were light colors, but they were like muted. So it was like really kind of strange. It was like a dark area too. So and it's a it, strange color palette. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. So, and, um, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of freaked me out. And then like the ending, oh, we'll it get was that. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. But, so, uh, so when did you when did you revisit it in your life? I'll, not until not until recently, or well, I went back. I mean, the, you know the you know the reason why I went back because I wanted to hear the theme song again. Yeah, in yeah, like yeah, yeah. Two thousand eight, but uh, this is the first time I watched it again ever since what like eighty seven, eighty eight, or oh, something. Wow. Like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. uh, and I see why I was bummed out. You know, at the yeah. end. So. Yeah, I remember the box. Of course, you from- did my dad's video store and i had never seen that i do recall there was a scene in a movie i had seen and i think my older brother might have rented it which was strange for him because he hates genre film but somehow it ended up in the house and i watched about a minute of it and my mom made me leave the room um so, or she turned it off, or I left the room on my own accord i forget what, what but i remember the monster about to eat somebody and i left and mm-hmm. that's all I really knew of the film. And then probably about 10 years ago, it was on Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. This is when I was still living in America. And so at least 10 years ago. And I watched it then. And I was like, well, this is amazing. And then, I love it. Yeah. And then I hadn't seen it again until you recommended it. And I, and I had to buy a copy of it. Because right now it's not on streaming. If you do want to watch this... There is a very good Blu-ray by Shout Factory that unfortunately includes uh, the video dead. Don't watch video dead. Um, that's a bad movie. That's okay. thematically similar. TVs will kill you. But video is a bad movie. But I watched it again, and I'm a bit more mixed on it, but it has so much charm, and it's so bizarre, mm-hmm. and the performances are so batshit, and the music's so amazing that it's hard not to recommend at least once. Like... That's what's it's so weird. A, it's not a strong, cohesive piece. The the yeah. the sum is less than the parts, but what it has is worth watching. It, that's what's so weird because you know when I go back at uh, you know when I watched it recently, like the performances are really over the top, and I'm glad uh, I saw the behind the scenes that they meant to make it over the top. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they tried to push it as far as possible. But, you know, when I saw it as a kid, I just I didn't see it like that. It was just like, you know, there's this crazy TV, this crazy family. And, uh, you know, this is the way a movie is supposed to go. But now I'm looking at it. It's just like, 
man, these <laughs> they really went like as goofball as possible. <laughs> if you watched it as a kid, I would imagine the performances would almost come off as grotesque or terrifying, mm-hmm. especially the parents, because parents are supposed aren't supposed to act like that. And when you have Mary Warnov like acting with her pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> like the way Sabat, like, because he's such a strange actress, uh, and and the other guy just like so just manic and bizarre. I would imagine that for a kid it would be weird. But like we we, we we did say the movie's about a monster in a TV that eats people. Um, that's that's there, there you go, and it's a weird one. <laughs> so yeah, that's understating happy, it. Understating it, yes, and. Usually when I start about when I, when I talk about movies, we talk about the crew and we start with the director, but today we have to talk about the producer first, because this is a Charles Band feature. This is by Empire Pictures. Are you familiar with Empire Pictures? Yes, very familiar. They make okay, some of so the what, how, how are you most, familiar with Empire Pictures? Just some of the most infamous movies like ever created, you know, like uh, <laughs> Trancers, Ghoulies, Reanimator, uh, Dow's Troll, which has been memed to hell. Uh, you know, well, Troll Two has. Troll Two, okay, yeah, yeah, not but, Troll. Troll's a good. Troll. We'll get to Troll. Troll's a great fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's what. Yeah. Uh, who was that? Who was that in there? That star, uh, can, uh, Julie, Julie, Julius Dreyfus. She's in there, Julie- right? The cast of Troll has Drew Louise Dreyfus, Sonny Bono, June Lockhart, and Michael Moriarty. And, of course, the most famous thing about Troll is that the main character is a little boy named Harry Potter. <laughs> um, so, I have been saying for years, whoever owns the rights to Troll should make a sequel. Because mm-hmm. they can call it The Adventures of Harry Potter, fuck you, bitch, because we own the name. That sounds good. They should do it, because fuck her. But, um... Yeah, Empire International Pictures was founded by uh, Charles Band, who is a fascinating person whose family has been in showbiz forever. His dad worked in Italy, I believe, before coming to America, Albert Band, and he worked under John Huston. Um, and he directed a few B-movies, like The Young Guns, um, and one called I Bury the Living, which sounds great. And also wrote The Red Badge of Courage, which is, which is a real movie that's actually quite good. I recommend that one. Charles got into movies in the 70s. His first film was a spoof of The Last Tango in Paris called The Last Foxtrot in Burbank, which yeah, uh, apparently is terrible. Um, that was edited by John Carpenter. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And that was unreleased. For, that, has been, that has been unavailable forever. Apparently, that is streaming now on... Um, the full moon features uh, streaming service. If you really want to go, go there. Oh yeah, I'm actually not warring on the last fast track of, of Burbank. I'll show you what I'm warring about soon. Oh okay, okay then. But from there, he did a, like the early the '70s band stuff is not very good. He did soft core fairy tale movies. One called Fairy Tales. One called Cinderella. Cinderella has very good music by his brother. Um, but it's a bad movie. And then he's in one called he made one called The End of the World, which is a movie that with Christopher Lee that Christopher Lee considered to be his worst movie, which is really saying something. Because Christopher Lee's in The Howling too. Oh wow, yeah. And then his last kind of pre-Empire film is Parasite, which is Demi Moore's first movie, uh, which was released in 3D. And then from there, Empire Pictures, and then boom, just nonstop video store mainstays, right? Like Ghoulies. Trancers, 
The Dungeon Master, which is an awesome movie. Ghost Warrior, which is a great movie about a samurai in modern-day L.A. Reanimator, Zone Troopers, Troll, From Beyond, Dolls, and Terrorism. Just amazing run of B-movies, and then they immediately went bankrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I can't find out why, but I'm going to guess it's because he just released too many fucking movies. Probably Uh, so. They got too confident. Like in 87, he released 10 movies. Yeah. And then they they folded in 91, and he followed followed that up with full moon features. And if you you went to a video store in the 90s, you know who full moon features is. And they're still kicking it, right? I'm pretty sure. Um, but Full Moon Features is what? Puppet Master? Subspecies? All the Transfer sequels? Demonic Toys? Um, Evil Bong? <laughs> <laughs> Ginger Dead Man? I only uh, found out about Evil Bong on, on Hulu. I don't... Evil Bong sounds like something has to be on Tubi. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know that that that's that that level. I have not seen Evil Bong. There are like um so many movies. Like he he has uh Tim um Charles Band has kept Tim Thomason in work for decades, and I'm happy because I, I like Tim Thomason. I met him twice. Yeah, uh, so good for him. It's a weird guy. I, I'm sure there are other. I'm sure there are podcasts dedicated to Charles Band films. So if you really want to go headlong into his shit. Go that way. The one other thing about Charles Band I do want to mention is that his son is Alex Band, who formed the band The Calling. Do you remember The Calling? Yeah. I don't remember him, but I listened to that song, and I think I heard it in some sort of restaurant. I'm you're so you're lucky you did not listen to modern rock radio in the early two thousands. Um, I did though. That, you did? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you're listened lucky. to Q one hundred one in Chicago. Oh uh, well, that just well because the calling had that song wherever you will go, which is one of the worst goddamn songs. It's like that's like a knockoff of a Creed knockoff. This is a terrible band. This is a terrible, 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 terrible band. But anyway, yeah. But what what were you wooing about when you said whoa? Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm, I didn't forget it all. Uh, yeah, uh, Cinderella. All right, that was a that was a, a big one in uh, in uh, elementary, like because it came on like Cinemax. And I bet it you know, did. all the kids <laughs> saw Cinderella and you know, we thought like, hey, Cinderella. Oh my god. Yeah, it was that was that was, that like, was a movie right there. More like Booberella. Basically, yeah, it was they, I remember one part like they talked about the clap in there and it was just like, wow. <laughs> we learned about so much that we shouldn't have been learning about at that age. There's a a movie called Sex and The Best of Sex and Violence, which is just a trailer compilation. You know, um, but it's all Empire Empire Pixar's movies, um, and Sounds it's awesome. host, but but it's hosted by John Carradine. John Carradine, David's dad. I was about to say, yeah, okay, yeah, and it's like, what are you doing here, man? You could you could you could eat. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's a weird one. Yeah, the band the band. The band is a weird guy. Like he, I mean, obviously, he's a big deal in, especially in '80s B movies. Like, you know, when you, when he's the man behind Ghoulies, Transfers, Dungeon Master, and Reanimator, I think, and Troll. Those are some huge B movies from the era. And you know, mm-hmm. he launched the career of Brian Usna and a few other people. But I always, I've never really given his movies a shot because, to be honest, a lot of them look terrible. But 
this early stuff is great. I, I I have no problems with it. It's it's fun 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 shit. Have you so you've, you have you seen have you seen Reanimator? Reanimator, I, I have. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I, I want to like sit down and watch it, but like you know all the other stuff like Troll, we recently ro- watched uh, my wife and I, and Dows. That's a classic. Um, uh, Transfers, I don't remember. And Ghoulies, that just it, it rubbed me the wrong way when I saw it. Ghoulies is a bad you know, movie. It was Ghoulies and Gremlins, and uh, mm-hmm. it was something about Ghoulies that just did not like mesh with me. I didn't like well, it. Well, shit, that's why. Um, <laughs> He's coming out of the I toilet, like, too, so that works. I don't leave. Well, they really, they, but they don't. It's only in the poster. Ah. Uh, you know, um, it's a bad movie. I don't like Ghoulies, but everything else I mentioned there, like, Trances is fun. Trances is a fun B movie. <laughs> you want to see Helen Hunt wear a Confederate uh, flag jean jacket? Um, is that uh that's what but, i dreamed of all my life <laughs> it's, yeah but that's a fun b movie the dungeon master you get to see bull from night Court as the devil um with hair uh oh, wow. and that movie also has an, an appearance by the band wasp um the wasp footage that's in terrorism is from that movie yeah, what is it with them and wasp did they have some kind of like agreement they, they, well i think he owned that footage oh okay so he just used it. That footage is also in Ghost Warrior. <laughs> so wow. One night, my friend and I watched Ghost Warrior and Dungeon Master the same night, not knowing they were by the same studio. And then when that footage showed up in Ghost Warrior, we were really confused because we were both <laughs> we were both really drunk. Um, okay. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, and a lot of the people who worked on this film worked on other movies by band. Like the director is Ted Nicolo. Um, he's still directing. He's made over 50 fucking movies. Um, but almost all of them are into full moon features. Umpire picks his wheelhouse. He directed Dungeon Master. Uh, he directed Savage Island, a woman in prison film with Linda Blair. Um, Subspecies, which was a huge renter at the video store. And I believe one of the first American films filmed in Bucharest. Remote, which is full moon features, uh, uh, home alone ripoff. And, Later oh, on, it, yeah. Later on in 2004, um, Puppet Master versus Dynamic Toys, which I watched drunk, and the only thing I remember from it is uh, Corey Feldman is phoning it in. Uh, the Puppet Masters were so cool, though. So I, I mean, have to the, see that. Yeah, I think the, I've never seen Puppet Master. Okay. Have you seen Puppet Master? Yeah, I love those uh, little like the the guy with the overcoat that uh, like yeah, that yeah, black yeah. hat and all that. Yeah, he's so cool. Um. So are those. Uh, do you recommend? I. I like. Because there's so many of those. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend There's, any of them? Like, what, what's the cutoff I, I point? The first one. Master? I would what say the first one. I don't remember the sequels, but I remember the first one was pretty interesting. And like the guy would do with the tiny head. Yeah, I, I like Punt Puppet Master. Yeah, because there are, as of this recording, there are fuck a duck. One, two, three. God, how many? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen Puppet Master films. They're competing with Leprechaun. <laughs> they have to have a chronology. The, the Wikipedia has a chronology. So, like, if you want to watch them in chronological order, that's not the same order as when they came out. Sounds like a festival's coming. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> um,. I, I I will watch the first one. I, I've I've heard good things about it. Um, but th- that that was I believe the first one. No, not the first one. Uh, any of those? Yeah, the yeah. Puppet Master vs. Dynamic Toys. Uh, Ted Nicolo. 
uh, you know, he made some good ones. And who? And I think he also wrote this movie. Yeah, he also wrote this. So I think in the in to Ted Nicolo oeuvre, I would say th- of the things I've seen, this is probably the best movie. Um, in terms of it has a story because Dungeon Master is a fa- Dungeon Master is a great movie, but it has almost no story. It's basically a fake anthology movie. It's very hard to explain. But I think he does good work here. He seems like a nice guy. Like I listened to the commentary track. He seems like he has a lot of fun. He remember, he he remembers this film fondly. <laughs> so uh, it, it left an impression on him. And also working on this movie, I really want to point out the special effects guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. John Carl Beekler. Beekler passed away in 20, 2019. I would say he is an underrated in the pantheon of 80s special effects guys. Like, of course, number one is um, uh, Tom Savini, right? And mm-hmm, then of course. Richard, ba- Richard Baker, uh, who did Pumpkinhead. But uh, Beekler, working with much less money, than either of those guys. He made some really fascinating creatures. Uh, and he worked kind of pretty in Full Moon Features, Empire Pixels Wheelhouse. He, he branched out a little bit, but he started in the 80s with Sorceress, which is a terrible film if you're not a straight man. Because <laughs> Sorceress is just like, wizards, tits, wizards, tits, tits, wizards. Um, it's bad. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. And then Forbidden World, which is a gross movie. but And, and uh, The Prayer, which is one of the most boring films I've seen in my entire life. But he made The Mausoleum, and The Mausoleum has a woman who's possessed by a demon, and her boobs become monsters. Oh, that sounds like an anime. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put that out recently. I, I recommend that. Uh, and then he did the work on Dungeon Master, Trans, all these movies. But then he also became a director, and he directed Troll. Uh, oh, okay. Which I still, of the Charles Band films I've seen, I think Troll is the best movie. It's Maybe movie. Dolls. Maybe Dolls. Uh, which he did the special effects for also. And then from Troll, he did Cellar Dweller. Not a good movie. But after that, he kind of went mainstream for a little bit. He directed Friday the 13th Part 7. Oh, wow. That's the one of the second girl. Uh, and that's the first Kane Hodder Friday the 13th. And he also did makeup for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, Halloween 4, and uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie. (laughs) (laughs) I like that movie. No, you do not. Well, you know what? I saw it as a kid, so maybe if I go back, I might not like that movie. Oh. At the time. I I used to like the Garbage Pail Kids. I used to collect the uh, cards. Uh, my My mom would not let me watch that movie. Really? Yeah. She was like, no. No, no, son. Um, when I reviewed the DVD when it came out, and the next day I got sick. Oh, interesting. I, I, <laughs> like I believe it. That's, bad. that's a that's on my bottom ten of all time list. Really, I have to see this again. Then no, I, I you, saw it at the you, theater. Oh, oh, with was your mom there? Or your dad there? They were there. They they endured it. I guess. <laughs> oh, you got to buy. If I mean, I hope. Oh man, you owe them something. Um. I think the worst movie I ever dragged a parent to was the animated theatrical release of the Littles cartoon. Oh, the Littles. Okay. Yeah, that's probably the worst one that I, I ever dragged a parent to. Um, my, my parents would just say no. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, I'm my not dad likes movies too much. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So it's like, hey, dad, I want to go see, you know, 
KRBS too. It's like, no. I have to go back quickly. Uh, you mentioned Eliminators. Oh, God. That on movie, our list. Yeah. So you hate that movie? Mm. I said watch it. It's, 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 it's worth watching once, preferably drunk. Okay. The have reason you seen why, it? No, I haven't seen it. I remember it was at a drive-in theater, but I, I saw the cover, and the cover looks so cool. But <laughs> I looked at the trailer, <laughs> and I'm, I mean, kudos to the special effects in that, but like, you know. Oh, yeah, he, they're great. He, it was like a hero attached to a tractor. <laughs> yeah. And, that, um, <laughs> he didn't have much control. So, like, they had him going down the hill. And he's like, I'm going to kill y'all, you alien bastards. Oh, 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 oh shit. <laughs> so, it's, it's like, it has its fans. Um, I should maybe watch it again. Uh, or I do, I do own it. Um, okay. Uh, the Tank Man is great. And it also has Denise Crosby. Okay. From, from Star Trek, uh, but I don't remember enjoying it. It it it, it was that's stupid. fine. It was that's stupid. Fine. <laughs> I can agree. I mean, but it has a mandroid, so I mean, you're not wrong for wanting to watch it. Uh, as I said, I think the best movie he worked on was Troll, followed by Dolls. Because uh, Dolls is great. I watched Dolls for the first time last week. Dolls is creepy, and I remember. Uh... I was too scared to see it for a long time because the cover looked so scary. Like the dial was taking out her eyes on the, on the yeah. cover, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, that was just too much for me. But uh, you know, when I got a little older, I saw it and I was like, "Yeah, this is a pretty good movie." I thought Dolls was charming, uh, because it's seventy-five minutes long, and it is a fairy tale, right? It's like if you're a bad person, you turn into a doll. <laughs> the end. If you're a good person, you don't. And I like the main guy in that, Ralph. This the, the fat white guy from the Midwest. Like, yeah, we can be heroes too. Exactly. <laughs> Identifiable. <laughs> no, but that, that's a fun, lot of fun movies. Uh, B. Clear did a lot of great work. Um, he will be missed. Um, a, a legend of special effects who deserves, yeah. who, who is, like I said, should be up there with uh, Rick Baker and Tom Savini. Just absolute amazing, amazing work. He designed the creature in this. And the creature is great. It is great, and it sounded like they had lots of issues uh, moving it. <laughs> so we'll get that's there. We'll why, get there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I bet they did. I mean, it looks like they would too. I've never seen. The only other people I want to mention really quick uh, is the music. So the music in this film, um, there's the score, which is great. The score is by Richard Band, uh, who did a lot of all, all the full moon features, and he did the music for Clay Fighter 33 and the Third for, six, for Nintendo 64. I don't know why. And but then there's the song. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. It 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 is it is an earworm uh, yes, in the truest sense. Yes, it is by a band called the Fibonacci's. Who shockingly, I do not own anything of them. <laughs> I think this is their only album, wasn't it? Well, no, they have they have an EP and okay. a twelve inch single and a one album. Okay. The EP came out in eighty two, and then the twelve inch single came out in eighty three. They did the soundtrack for this in eighty six. They released one record in eighty seven, and then that was it. The record has never been released on CD. They have a compilation. Uh, that's a one disc compilation that has most of the record and most of the most of the singles because they're the, the, 
because all those songs are two minutes long. Um, but uh, that that has a cover of Purple Haze on it, which I'm sure is fascinating. But <laughs> oh my god, really? I, I gotta I'll, hear that. They're they're I don't know what's about them, but man, they sound fun. They're like the B-52s, basically. Uh, yeah, like they, they got the B-52s, or maybe the Waitresses. You know the Waitresses? I'm not familiar with that. They did that uh, song, I, I Know What Boys Like. I Know What Boys Like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I know the song, not the group name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're kind of like kind of like a like a sarcastic, female-fronted uh, new wave rock band. In, uh, in the early 80s, uh, it seemed like there was like a slight like 50s, 60s, 50s renaissance. Uh, for oh, yeah. I mean... There was a Stray Cats. Stray of course. Yeah. You know, who I, God, I hate the Stray Cats. Really? I like that song, though. I, 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 I don't like, like Rockabilly. <laughs> I, I never have. But yeah, okay. there was, I mean, there was the, the 30-year cycle, right? So in the in the, in the, the 20-year cycle, ah, in, yeah. the, in the 80s stuff, in the early 60s was popular. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the 50s and 60s, anything pre-Beatles kind of blends together. Um, but they got they got kind of that vibe to them. They they seem like a fun band. Uh, I can't find much about anyone in the band. I do know two of the people in the band went on to work with Stan Ridgway. Stan Ridgway is the lead singer of Walla Voodoo, or was the lead singer of Walla Voodoo. Walla Voodoo did Mex- Mexican Radio. You know that song, uh, Mexican Radio? I'm not on familiar Mex- with Oh, okay. Mexican yeah, just... Radio. Yes. See, when uh, you sing the songs, then I know them. <laughs> I'm sing, glad that my, my lovely, my, my golden pipes is coming through. Uh, so authentic, but they 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 do all the non-score music in this movie, and they really help to set the vibe. I think because like the opening credits have that, have that song, the opening credits have that ridiculous like funny little space scene, and then the then I think the song helps set the stage. This is a comedy. Yeah. So the interesting thing about it is, um, you know, that was what what the director was kind of hoping for he wanted the music to kind of match but in fact though he said initially he thought the music was kind of overtaking the comedy mm. uh which is funny because the comedy it's like this isn't like cerebral comedy. No, this is like broad. high in the face <laughs> you know it's like the most under you know belly of the underbelly type stuff but like i don't know uh interestingly enough though uh he said frank zappa was initially supposed to do the soundtrack but uh he had to pass on it I'm glad he did. Uh, yeah, me too. I like Frank Zappa for the most part, but mm-hmm. I think it, his music, especially 80s Frank Zappa, will be overpowering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is around the time. When did G-Spot from Hell come out? <laughs> I have no idea. G-Spot Tornado. G-Spot Tornado. It's on Jazz from Hell. Yeah, so... This is the same year he released Jazz from Hell. And okay. Jazz from Hell is an amazing record of all it's like predominantly Synclavier keyboards and synthesizers. And okay. when it's not, it's Steve Vai on guitar, who's a, a guitar psychopath. Um it is one of the most manic albums you've you've ever heard. It is the only as far as I know the only instrumental album to get a parental advisory sticker. Huh? (laughs) Because of the song, because of the song named G-Spot, G-Spot Tornado. The title. Oh, yeah. G-Spot Tornado, which uh, Frank Zappa composed that the idea that would be so difficult 
a human couldn't play it without using a computer. It is, it is a. That's a great record, but I would not. It would it would destroy the movie. It would like it'd be too powerful. <laughs> yeah, so. you know the music. It it works so well with this, like the instrumentation of the synthesizers. Like they, there's a certain like uh, instrument that's on there. It almost sounds like an actual, uh, you know, uh, like a not a like a mallet instrument, but it's you can tell it's a keyboard though. It's, it's oh yeah, it's a really cool sound. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Well, you know, um, Albert, not Albert. What band is that? There's too many band. Richard Band. Mm-hmm. Good composer, you know. Um, and I think he was going for a '60s or '70s, like like a '50s or '60s like monster movie vibe. Yeah, and easily. between him and the the Fibonacci's, kind of like aping the kind of like the the lounge style that like I don't know what you'd call them, just like like the campy style of their music. It's a great fit for the movie, and yeah, it helps. It helps. I think it helps the comedy because it it, it makes it even more cartoonish because it's a yeah. cartoon. Yeah. At one point, in like in like the uh, the middle when they start like speaking to the monster, it like they even do like wipes. It almost seems like a sitcom. At a oh yeah. Point. Oh, and also it's very very sitcom feel. The entire yeah. film's on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. You know, all the outside stuff is clearly in a soundstage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very uh, all, all, top to bottom. The movie is going for an artificial, hyper real vibe and the, the music helps that um also helping it is the cast who are amazing <laughs> i love them i think they he said you know he struck gold with it and i agree with them a hundred percent they like they gave it their all and it shows yeah so who is there anybody from here you recognize so yeah i'm gonna start with uh od od uh, yes yeah you know you we know him from so many other things like you know napoleon dynamite uh real Uncle genius Rico. Yeah, there you go. I know him from Martin, <laughs> you know, like the black culture. We know oh, him as really? the DJ from. Yeah, he's the uh, Martin's uh, sidekick, like the goofy guy. I can't think of his name right now, but like, fuck, really? He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like the goofy sidekick that, like, hey, Martin, uh, blah blah blah. Let me tell you something. That, uh, this new song you should hear. That type of thing. I I don't mean to sound bad, but I did not know That's there were I- any white people in Martin. <laughs> Hey, I mean, he was the one, like token one, so you know, to make fun <laughs> of because he was the goofy guy. So there you go. And Garrett Morgan, Garrett um, Morris is in Martin too. Is like the DJ head uh, guy. So yeah. Okay, huh? I didn't know that, huh? Um, I know OD from Joysticks. Joysticks. Uh, uh, it's a really bad movie set in an arcade with Jordan Baker. Um, he plays King Vidiot. I did an episode on Joysticks a long time ago. Um with my friend Matt. It's a terrible movie. John Grise as Joysticks, as as King Vidiot, probably the best character and the best role in the film. Um, I just like the name. King it's Vidiot. a bad movie. Don't watch it. Uh, my standout person here, and we'll get to the main people, is uh, the mom, Raquel, played by Mary Warnov, who is one of my all-time favorite actors. She's awesome. She's insane. And yeah. she has such a bizarre look and a bizarre voice. And just everything about her stands out. Um, she is probably the most successful of the Warhol people. Because okay. she was in Andy Warhol's Chelsea Girls. Uh, oh, really? Which okay. is 
a really big like uh, art house movie from from that era, and but she was the one to break through because I think you know a lot of them, a few of them died um, <laughs> because drugs, like yeah, obviously, um, or had other issues. But like she broke through mainstream and well, mainstream asks she broke through into Corman. Uh, she's in Death Race two thousand. She's in Hollywood Boulevard, which is Joe Dante's first film. Yeah, uh, I know she is in Death Race 2000 now, too. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now she's, great. That. yeah. she's great in that movie. And she's in Rock and Roll High School, which is one of my favorite movies where he plays the evil principal. Um, which is a great... That movie... The, the plot of that movie is, man, the Ramones are cool. And that's about it. And it's it's a fun that has the best. The, she has the best line in the movie was he walks up to the the Ramones and says, "Do your parents know your Ramones?" Like he's just disgusted disgusted with them their existence. Uh, and then she with Par Bartel, who was the director of Death Race Two Thousand, they made Eating Raul, which is an a dark comedy. It has some a little bit of cannibalism, and hence the name. I think her most mainstream roles are probably. She has a small part in Dick Tracy. She's in uh, The Devil's Rejects, and she was in Night of the Comet. Um. Yeah, yeah. Those those are huge. like Night of the Comet was really huge at that. She's at the, the mom time. in that. Okay. Uh, and has a cameo in Chopping Mall. I love Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. I want to so watch fun. that now. Just the fact that you said it. Oh, Chopping Ball is so good. And she's she and she is playing her character from Eating Raul in that movie. Um uh because it's a it's a Corman production and, and they, they did Corman a favor. Um she has retired from acting, she just paints now. Her artwork is uh something else. Just look it up. Um she seems like she'd be a lot of fun in a party. Uh yeah, she seems awesome. He seems great. And playing the husband is Garrett Graham. Uh, that is Meat from Phantom of Paradise. <laughs> what? Um, yes. Have you seen Phantom of Paradise? No, uh, but I, I remember the name. I'm, I'm thinking Meat from something else, though. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not Meat. Beef. He's Beef. Yeah, beef. beef. Okay. Um, he's in a lot of De Palma films. Um, and he was also in Chopping Mall. He is the security guy who gets killed in the uh, control room. Yeah. Uh, he has a weird career. He's in a lot of B movies. He is, and some made like De Palma liked him. So he'd be in like B movies like Cannonball and Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. But then he would be in Demon Seed, which is a mainstream Hollywood film about a robot that inseminates a woman. Um, Robots have semen now. Yes. Anyway. And Pretty Baby, the movie where Brooke Seals was a prostitute and sees 12. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he still acts. I think he he's he's great in this movie. Both of them play off each other so well as just the worst parents. I mean, you would think that they've like have like a career together. Like they're like uh, <laughs> Laurel and Laurel Hardy, you know, and that type yeah, of Laurel thing. Yeah, Laurel Hardy, like, Abbott Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just they just work each other, you know. And um, one off was supposed to be Medusa. Like the director wanted her to be Medusa, the character Medusa, um, but she wanted to play against type. <laughs> well, she she picked the right person because uh, her as the mom made it even creepier. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, she and, had that weird vibe. Yeah, and like in the opening, like yeah, yeah, she's bizarre. They're both bizarre. 
Um, the main, I guess, the main character would be Susie, if the movie has one. Um, who is the teenage daughter played by Diane you Franklin? What you think she's the main character? Really? Well, who's I thought, the? I, oh, I, oh, I guess the kid. The kid. I think Sherman is. is. Yeah. Yeah, Sherman's that, the kid. Going back to like um, why I wanted or why I liked uh, Terror Vision 2 or like why I could watch it is because I connected with him. He seemed like one of my friends like back in the day, literally. Yeah, and he's played by Chad Allen, who was Tommy Westfall in St. Elsewhere. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you know who Tommy Westfall in St. Elsewhere is? Probably one of the doctors. <laughs> no, no, he's a kid. So it's the... Okay. Okay, the famous. Th- okay, really quick. Oh, saying elsewhere. What the hell am I talking about? Yeah, this is in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, this is the eighties. So, really quick, I I am going over well-tread ground here. Tommy Westfall is the is a kid who is autistic in Saint Elsewhere, and then in the last episode, it is revealed that the entirety of Saint Elsewhere was a. Oh yeah. His imagination. Yeah, his imagination. Yeah. Snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. I didn't see it, but I, I heard about that. So kind that of, means. Freaky as- like uh, da- what was that? Uh, was that Dallas? Where the, uh, it was all a dream. Yeah, well, Dallas or- said that. Yeah, yeah. But that means since St. Elsewhere had so many crossovers of shows that had crossovers, that means if you want to believe that, then um, X Files, Law and Order, and Cheers are all in Tommy's head. <laughs> so there's that viewpoint, which is just a fun. I don't believe that. It's just funny. Um, he's in a lot of TV in the '80s, man. He was in Simon and Simon. Saying elsewhere, Airwolf, Hotel, Punky Brewster, Webster, Our House, My Two Dads, and The Wonder Years. Most kids were, though, back in those times. Yeah, and man. then he had a semi-recurring role in Dr. Quinn, and he is retired, and he is a psychologist. Um, but he was, yeah, he's, 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 he's a lot of fun in this movie. Uh, I kid, like him, yeah. Kids, kid, kid leads can be really annoying. Well, I, you know, I, um, you know, I saw him, like I said, as one of my peers as a kid, and it's like you know, we would I would feel the same way, you know, grab a gun, start shooting everything, you know. Yeah, and apparently his parents are pretty conservative Christians, um, and didn't want him in any of the shots with the paintings in the background because the paintings in the house were all like pornographic. Um, I mean, but honestly, he is holding, I, he is holding an AK forty seven for the entire film. <laughs> I, I I mean I could agree with him. You know, those pictures were kind of lewd, and I mean. I mean, you know, if, again, it goes over your head. As a kid, I didn't really even notice like there was new pictures on there, but looking at it now, it was like, oh my! And then like the pictures were like, like some of them were like really violent. Yeah, <laughs> like, really yeah, weird. yeah. They designed the house by going to actual swingers' houses. Wow, well, there you go. And looking at that, that their houses to, to get inspiration. But yeah, then the older sister, as I mentioned, is Diane Franklin. That is one of the princesses from Bill and Ted. Um, oh really? Okay. She's also in Amityville too, which is a fucked movie, and Better Off Dead. She's kind of a tired, but she she you know she was in a lot of movies in the eighties. She was in Last American Virgin also, um, and she she's very good in this as an obnoxious head teenager. Her scream is fantastic. Yeah, this whole movie has like serious eighties vibes. Like you oh, know, the best. Kind. She's. She's completely Cindy Lauper. You know? You're and right. Then, You're right. Yeah, easily. And then it's like they say radical, uh, totally awesome. <laughs> I want to watch like, my MTV, Dodd. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. She is a valley girl uh, through and through. And then one more from the main, two more really quick. There's a, Medusa, who's uh, this is an actress named Jennifer Richards, didn't do much of some TV. And then the Grandpa, 
one of the strange in a film full of strange characters. <laughs> he's weird. That's played by Burt Remsen, and he's an interesting guy because he was a TV actor in the fifties until a crane fell on him. Wow. And injured his back, and so his limp is real. Like that's how he walked. Uh. Okay, um, he returned Terrible. to he then he so after he got injured he went he became a casting director, but apparently Robert Altman liked him, and cast him in a lot of movies. And after that he went back to acting, and uh, so it's funny that this movie has like people who worked with the Brian De Palma and Robert Altman. Yeah, interesting. Two of the most acclaimed directors of the seventies and eighties. Their favorite actors were in television. I mean. That that's what uh, Jonathan Grise uh, said too. Uh, you know, you said he had like these. What, what, what it was a role that he had at that time. It was like for a pretty big movie. Napoleon but, Dynamite. <laughs> not not Napoleon Dynamite, but oh, at that time, you know, when they were making television, he oh. had like a role like he was up for, and uh, he was like, "Should I do this or this? Should I go for this movie that I'm probably getting nothing from? <laughs> you know, this B movie no, nobody's gonna see." But he just, you know, he felt really strongly towards it, so he, you know, stayed with the uh, movie. Well, it makes sense. You know, you got you to gotta go where your heart tells you to go. And I think being in a movie like Terrorism, they, I, I had to imagine when they made this, they knew it wasn't going to do gangbusters business. But <laughs> easily, you hope it gets a following. And, and, I, and I think it mm-hmm. did. One more person in the cast really quick. The voice of the fucking monster is Frank Welker. You know, I didn't even know that until I saw the notes. And it's like, oh, my God, that was Frank Welker. Wow. Of course, of course, it was Frank Welker. Like who? Like he's like the what the fifth highest grossing actor of all time. <laughs> Speaking of that, too, I saw on the soundtrack that Mel Blanc was on the soundtrack. Wait, what? What? Willie? On Terrorvision. How? I swear, I looked at it on Discogs. I could have swore I saw Mel Blanc on there. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm, I'm usually look not that mistaken, because that, that conf- maybe they sampled him. Let me see. Possibly. That's you got to be point. careful with Terrorvision because Terrorvision is a record label and a, and, and a, and a uh, thrash metal band. Okay, so Terrorvision, uh, let me see, soundtrack. Don't see Mel Blank. I'm not saying you're wrong, <laughs> but I but. think you're wrong. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, if you want to get the soundtrack, um, um, WRWTF, WW Records, which is an abbreviation for we release whatever the fuck we want records release this on vinyl. And if you buy it on Bandcamp, it has a download code. So that's a good way to get it. There is also a CD from 2017 by Intrada, which is out of print, but you can buy that right now for like 30 bucks on Discord. So not too bad. Um, but yeah, it is a great, I, I, we've said it before. It's a great soundtrack, but I love it. Yes. So we uh, is there any? So you watch that making of stuff. I did not have time because I've been recovering from some some, some issues. Of course. Uh, I, I all I will I learned from listening to the commentary and reading about the movie, pretty much everything I've already said, um, and that the movie was um, the movie like a lot of Charles Band films that started as a poster. They sold the mm-hmm. po- they sold the movie based on the poster, then made the movie, which is yeah, the Roger, Roger Coleman way. That's literally um, what it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it was all based off of that poster. That's how they, you know, they introduced it. Uh, you know, like, let's go with this idea. And uh, yeah, and it started with a title, actually. Uh, it started yeah. with yeah. the word television. And that, that works for any pitch. Come on now. Like, in the 80s, television? Come on now. That's You're going to get money from it. you get funding from that. I looked up the free... I went to the newspaper archive and typed in television. And television was a buzzword in the early 80s to talk about 
news media that focuses on terrorism. Oh, like the Iran Contra crisis, like um, sensational reporting of terrorist journalism was called terrorism. So I wonder if they got it from that. Possibly, but that—that's—I uh, don't know. That's, that's sad. I know it's not. not <laughs> yeah, it's funny. really disappointing. I don't like that. Was but, there uh, any? Were there any funny and in, interesting things from them from the footage you you watched? Ton of it. Uh, you know, they uh, he called the monster a big turd with personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did have personality. And he looked like it a turd. Does. <laughs> what was interesting to me, though, is that um, the whole idea. Well, I mean, without giving away the ending, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, but is that they wanted to kill the family because <laughs> they didn't want you to? I'm serious. They said they didn't want you to. You didn't. You weren't supposed to like them, so you know they should die. I loved Od. I don't, I don't think Od should die. I love. You know, he's such a fun character. He looks like uh, Otto from The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And another thing is, they said they purposely made it look really stupid. They they wanted it to make it as, as goofy as possible. But one of the weird, one of the craziest, and I guess kind of terrible things that happened too is when it was released that was right around when the challenger exploded oh fuck yeah like literally like the same week so so <laughs> that's why it performed pretty bad i think it was like 300 something thousand or maybe yeah, 500 so it op- so this kind of movie so when we say this performed bad this was not made for theatrical release yeah like, they made this movie having already sold it to video and probably having already sold it to like hbo but mm-hmm. They get a prefunctory theatrical release. It opened on 256 screens. Uh, it made $320,000. It dropped out of the, it opened at 15th place, dropped out immediately, got pretty polarizing reviews. <laughs> um, yeah, that's putting it nice. Some, somebody from the Louisville Courier Journal called it the worst movie he'd ever seen. Um, the New York Daily News said it was a funny skit that was stretched into a movie, um, while while signaling <laughs> that's, that's while singling out singling out Mary Warnoff as the highlight of the film. She um, she is, but uh, John Woolley from the Tulsa World newspaper, he said Terrorvision offers plenty of laughs and quite a bit of grossness before undercutting its own sense of fun with a stupid, mean spirited ending. And that was the best review I could find. <laughs> so the people who liked it had problems with it. The people who hated it fucking hated it. <laughs> hated it completely. Yeah. Yes. This is garbage. We both like it. So I think we should talk about the movie now. So yes, full on spoilers. Um this movie, I, one of my, I don't even know what, I mean, the beginning, I th- it sets the tone immediately with that hilarious alien scene, mm-hmm. you know, where there's uh, this alien in a garbage disposal is, um, he, the, it's an alien garbage, we haven't really talked about the alien. <laughs> Plothar? Or the uh, the bad alien? The, the, well, the monster, the monster. The monster, okay. How would you describe the, so what, what, how do they describe it? Uh, a, a turd with personality. A turd of personality. So the alien, it's basically a garbage disposal. Um, um, a mutant. A mutant that is... Um, Officially it's called the Hungry Beast. The Hungry Beast, yes. And they and this other... This planet Pluton, not Pluto, Pluton. 
Mm-hmm. They dispose of it by converting it into energy. But for some reason, it bounces off some other planets and lands on Earth. And <laughs> into the Putterman's satellite dish, which they just got. Uh, and it's not a real film. You know, this might be a short episode because I don't know if you, we, we can't really go scene by scene because basically it shows up and starts eating people at the end. Um, kind of. But before that, before the monster shows up, I do think the movie does a great job of painting this nightmare family. Yeah, it's yeah. all about the family, honestly. Like the the uh, the monster is just like a, a side story of this crazy family's life. They could do other adventures. Well, if you know, obviously with the ending, but they could have other adventures before this that they've dealt with. You know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe killer bees. Yeah, because <laughs> you have you have the daughter who's dating Od. Um, which is I love I love the joke when the dad says, "Oh, nice Irish boy." <laughs> Od, like that's good. And then you have the mom doing her 80s aerobics. Wow. Of course. The dad works on a satellite disc before they're both getting ready to go swing. Uh, and they're telling the kids they're going to go swing. Um, yeah, that was disturbing. I was like, is it that common? Or is it just like the way it was? Because they based it in like, you know, like you said, in the L.A. area. But I'm like. They talk about this type of thing, huh? And I the one one directorial choice that I thought was interesting is like the lighting is super harsh, mm-hmm. you know, on purpose. And I feel like a lot of the the everyone's just a little too close to the camera, and yep. sometimes almost looking directly at the camera, and it's it makes you very uncomfortable. <laughs> It reminded me of like a lot of '90s like rock videos where they had like the uh, button button down family, or you know, like, and they would put like like these crazy close ups. Uh, I think Black Hole Sun did that actually like that too. Well, I think that the 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 alpha and omega of that is Twisted Sister. Yeah, there you go. Like I want to rock, you know, and then we're not going to take it. Like it's like mm-hmm. the power of metal turning a family into monsters, you know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the, and. When the movie starts, you immediately just understand this family's fucked up. The grandpa shows up. He's like a crazy guy who goes downtown and 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 demonstrates that people should use lizard tails for food because they'll be grow. Yeah. I mean, I hey, mean, it, you you look at it, and it's like, hey, that's I never thought about that. I'm thinking like Metal Gear Three. Uh, you know, you could use that <laughs> that tactic and like really survive out there Snake! in the woods. Sorry, I I've, <laughs> I I never played three. Um. Not a Metal Gear person. Um, and then as the, as the parents go out to go swinging, I think that's when the monster shows up. And do you think we're supposed to like, as an adult, are we supposed to like Sherman? As an adult, I mean, you, you're going to think he's annoying. I mean, it's yeah. just literally is what it is. As a kid, I, I totally identified with him. Why did you identify with him? I don't know. He looked like my friend, my friend Tony, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, hey, there goes Tony. He's right on the, the big screen. So, I mean, he, yeah. I, I wore camouflage and had a bad haircut. So He wore camouflage, too, and he had an M16. So, you know, it's like... Oh, no. Man, guns guns were all my... You know, as kids of the 80s, we were fed violence, guns, and, like, action. So Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And and I do like... They, they seem to insinuate that Sherman has mental health issues. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but well, no, like give him his pill. <laughs> give, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about. He's that having part, an episode yeah. again. Like and, th- when Sherman starts oh, seeing the monster, no one believes him because apparently Sherman is psychotic. 
<laughs> that's terrible. But that, maybe <laughs> that's maybe that's why they just tell them anything. You know, yeah, we're going out swinging. Yeah, well, they you don't know? tell Sherman. They tell the older sister that, like directly. So I guess that that's good. But yeah, they they. But when the monster, the beast shows up, and I think it eats Grandpa first. Um, mm. and, and then it, there's that really violent, horrible, like, really violent, really horrifying. Yeah, yeah, it really was. <laughs> Turns him even into now, green sl- it, Yeah, go go ahead. What? Well, no, even now, like the way his face like caved in, it was just like, oh, geez. Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't watch this as a kid. Uh, yeah. it would have fucked with me. Well, um, it did with me. That's why I said I had issues. <laughs> so there you go. Is that, is that what happened to you? No, is that why you? Is, is that why you're this way? Is it terrorism's fault? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, nothing Without else doubt. in my childhood. <laughs> but. The dad, uh, it also eats the repair man, but no, nobody knows about that. Um, and when after it eats grandpa and the parents come home with the couple they're gonna swing with, um, Mary Warnoff is so horny that she throws her kid into a in, into her grandfather's into the grandfather's safe room. She, she throws the kid away because she she wants to get busy with with the of the other couple. Um, and that's I think when the kid figures out it comes in through the, through the TV. Uh, also, we have the TV, the, the alien on TV. Well, yeah, I want to get to that because that cracks me up. Uh, and I have it's funny when you think about what's actually happening with that broadcast. But what's weird is that they have the kid around live ammunition <laughs> the entire time. Like the crazy old grandfather, he's literally walking around with like a Colt 45 that can just go off at any minute and just kill everybody. Yeah, and, and he can't have a gun. Kill everybody. Yeah, the he has a gun. We find out that that had live ammo as well. Yeah. It's, it's actually a real M16. Yeah, and Mary Warnoff, you know, Raquel chastises the kid for stopping her swinging, but never takes his gun away. Yeah, the kid that takes pills to, uh, yeah, well, to give keep his the kid, attitude give together. My son, with, my son with a mental health problem and a holding a gun. Give him drugs. Yeah. Yeah. His family's the out 80s. there, man. It's the 80s. Uh, but yeah, the broadcast alien. Yeah. The, and the, the broadcast alien is telling them that there was a mistake. You have to destroy your TV. He's telling everyone in America to destroy their TVs for 200 years. <laughs> That's what's so funny. No, everyone in the world. He's, everyone in the world. Everyone in the entire world is seeing this one dude being broadcast. Like, what the hell is it? What is, who is this? And yeah. it's just on TV. Like, that whole time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think that's where Sherman figures it out. Also, Sherman figures out that the monster can kind of shift. Because he sees the monster be his grandfather, all covered in goop. So he's not a very good safe shifter. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I think after the grandfather dies, the movie kind of slows down for a bit. But when the swingers get eaten in a very gross scene. <laughs> yeah. I love the swingers. I love the whole segment. I mean, like well, their their whole interaction is is so fun because the um Alejandro, I don't I don't know his name in the uh, movie, but yeah, the Alejandro Ray. Yeah, speak, like he's Spiro. so over the top. Spiral, okay, yeah, he's so over the top. And then of course he because you know, being gay in the eighties was such a like, oh my God, you know, what he's Because uh, you said uh, is your is is Stanley a manly man? Does he take it like a manly does man? He take it like a man. <laughs> yeah. And this is like uh, oh, I had to, I had I had to explain to my boyfriend what that meant. I like that joke. I don't think it's that it's not that homophobic because no, not at all. It's all it's a, mis, it's, it's a misunderstanding. 
you know, yeah. and at no point do like it's it's not homophobic for killing a geek in a movie where literally everyone dies. <laughs> it's not killing a gay character that way is not and also also he's still for a gay dude he's serious down to fuck his wife i mean, I think he's down to do anything at that point yeah i honestly. think he's oh, they both are because i honestly are. thought i thought that stanley was like that because like he seemed like to be you know ready to deal with whatever came in his way so like, he was just like full <laughs> whatever of came in his way ah there we uh, go uh, uh. <laughs> Terror vision. <laughs> it's it, it a sticky movie. Uh, <laughs> not sorry. Um, I I I think the coolest one of the coolest scenes in the movie is when Spyro gets it because first the wife gets it and then she, you just see her head in the water. Mm-hmm. So the monster has taken the form of her head, but the rest of him is under the water and it's covered in like dry ice. And the camera is right at the level of this fog. And it's a really cool shot. And when those tentacles come out and get his head, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Like yeah. smash it in. It's pretty creepy. Smash man. But then when the parents die, it's really stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, especially uh, when uh, St- <laughs> when Stanley dies and he makes all those faces. Like that's when we say when like over the top, like he really went there. Like he he did he held, held no uh, bars for that one definitely yeah Mary Warnoff too it's like I think this movie this movie really reminds me of Creepshow yeah it, well, it reminded me of that and then it's like Tales from the Dark Side you know it was like an yeah, episode yeah. of that or Monsters yeah, yeah I never saw really Monsters but like yeah that. um just it's a comic book and I think the lighting the lighting in a direction like especially in this scene it's such it's so obviously staged. That they're playing it for laughs. It's kind of like when um, Adrian Barbeau was killed in Creepshow. Um, like the the lighting gets very ridiculous and over the top and it's silly. So kind of kind of kind of the same thing here. I do think one problem I have with the movie is that they they kill Mary Warren off too early. Yeah, I I mean they could have used her like throughout the entire thing, honestly. I mean because she's just that good. Yeah, yeah. And as funny as Susie and Sermon are, and O.D., they're great, but they're no Mary Warnoff. <laughs> well, O.D. saves it, honestly. Like, he's just he does so the funny best, in that yeah. movie. Because O.D. OD accidentally saves their lives. I forgot. What happens exactly? He uh, has the bracelet, and the bracelet reminds them of, like, the uh, the guy that fed the Hungry Beast. Yes. So it's just like it's like oh you know I, this is a guy who loves me he feeds me I, I can't hurt him. Yeah. So, yeah. And so they try to train the monster. Uh, they they tell the TV host Medusa who was basically Elvira with 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 snake, a snakehead. Um, yeah, easily. About it, and she's like, maybe I'll come by later. And I feel like this is a the movie almost becomes ET for like five minutes. Yeah, it gets. That's what I said. It gets weird, like weirdly like a sitcom. It gets like lovable. Uh, they start to try, try to speak to the monster. Say Sherman, Sher- Sherman. <laughs> I, I wanted to go back real quick to the uh, the swingers again. <laughs> yes, like, please do. St- yeah, please. We have to talk about the swingers. But uh, Stanley, like when they talked about, um, like these are like this is like the invasion of the body snatchers when aliens come and they knock them up. And they like start getting turned on, like talking about like you know like an alien abduction. Like, dude, <laughs> these dudes are down for anything. It was the eighties, man. Uh, they, they got some GHB and they're gonna go. I don't know. Literally. Um, yeah, I, I want. 
how much cocaine do you think is implied? Like, it's 1986. They have that house and they're swinging. How much cocaine's in their bedroom? <laughs> oh, tons of it. Like the mattress it's, is full of it. Like the end of like the, end of, like the end of Scarface. Yeah, easily. They're sticking their head in a pile of it. But yeah, that that is a good point. They are really just down. Uh, and well, then and the, the one woman, Cherry, sees the alien on TV and she's like, "Oh, is that in a hardcore movie I auditioned for?" Yeah, it's so weird. It's like, yeah. man, these people are like fully sex it's titty rocket pictures on the wall electric <laughs> orgasms I, that's literally what it is yeah like someone really gonna electrocute it like and have an orgasm like what the hell strange it's it's like it's like it's like if someone made cronenberg's crash as a comedy um <laughs> which would be a, a, an experience but yeah with with od in charge kind of they try to tame the monster but it does not it doesn't go well <laughs> no not at all and then I think poor OD is the first to go. Uh, I like how his remains are in the shape of a guitar. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's if, pretty if, you, if you look at it, yeah, so he, he's rocking in the afterworld. And That's then good. the cops show up, cops get eaten, um, people get eaten. And then, Badu- and then, then Pluthar, the alien captor, shows up. To save. Well, before you, oh, okay. before you go there, I, I did want to go. Uh, one thing I noticed on uh, with OD with his guitar shape, I didn't know it's a guitar shape, but when she picks up uh, the bracelet, you hear like a guitar sting or like yeah. a guitar. <laughs> yeah, man, OD, a hero in another movie, but and it's, it's exactly. a shame. But yeah, Pluth, I, this is I think really brilliant. So I don't like the ending, but I like how they get there with. It's a real good subversion. So Pluthar, the alien, shows up. He says, oh, I can save the day. Uh, your parents, I can save your parents. They'll have to live in an aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> but I can fix this. Take me to the monster. But then Medusa shows up, thinks Pluthar is the monster, and kills him. Yeah, I, I that didn't sit well with me as a kid. Uh, yeah. Now I can appreciate it, but as a kid, I was so mad. Like it bummed me out. I was like, "This family, these these kids are gonna make it out of here. They're gonna get out alive and destroy the monster. It's gonna be a happy ending." The only person that can save them that came through the TV from planet Pluton yeah. dies in a, in a horrific like uh, what's the abyss? Remember the that movie when like. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, so he cracks his helmet and his head explodes into blue blood. Um, it's really gross. <laughs> it was really disturbing. It was like, what? What did I just watch? And with with uh, Pluthar dead, the monster appears and eats them all. <laughs> it's just the biggest bummer of an ending, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and then the next morning, the the monsters in the limo, pretending to, to be Medusa, uh, wants to go to the TV station. The monsters them take over the world. Um, you know, whatever. I I don't mind a down ending. I feel like I don't know what they could. They 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 wanted. You said they wanted to kill the family, right? Yeah, that was the whole purpose. Like they so, knew the family was going to die initially. I immediately. think they put themselves into a corner. Because when you make the kid the protagonist, and with the tone of the film, the kid can't die gruesomely. No, not at all. So then that means you can't show the kid dying, which means you can't show the ending of the movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, because they skip, uh, you know, his sister dying. So yeah, you they just skip kinda... all that. You don't yeah. see any of that. So without showing it, like you get the da- you get the ending you want, but you can't even have the comedy of it because you can't show it because it'd be too graphic because a kid dies. Yeah. So literally, I feel like I would have been happy with a fake out ending where the kids think they won. But then, then you find out the monsters at the TV station, and then oh no, the world's going to end. Um, that could be. I think that could work. <clears throat> I think a happy ending would not work. That's exactly what I said, though. Actually, uh, yeah. If if they reworked it to have, you know, oh no, the monsters was alive all the time, you know, that type of thing, I could have worked with that. But them all dying, it's just it's just really sad. <laughs> I mean, a- you know, now I, it's like it's okay. I'm okay with it now, but like, yeah, as a kid, it just really bummed me out. It bummed out my boyfriend that they killed the kid. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. So somebody else has compassion. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> don't, not totally I, it evil. bummed me out, too. I don't like it when horror movies kill kids. I'm, I know, I'm sorry. I'm too old now. Mm-hmm. I have too many nieces and nephews. Uh, I know. That's this is why I can't watch the Blob remake anymore. Oh, I, don't, I haven't seen that in so long. I saw it at the theater as well. That one kid brutally dies. <laughs> really? Like, I have to go back and see this. Painfully, brutally, in a very long sequence, a 12-year-old kid is, like, torn apart. Um uh, I terrible. can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. Uh, more power to you. If, it's, if, if you're okay with that, you go. But I just can't do it. And I think too often it's shock value. Here it's not shock value. Here it's just no. kind of like, it's just kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we said we're going to do it. And damn it, they're all going to die. Even the kid. Yeah, eat them. Yeah, eat them. And there's no reason for it. It's like, that. that you could have had a down ending or, un, or any where the monster wins and have done better you know it's an 83 minute long film and you got 82 minutes right it's so yeah. close there you go yeah i mean but i, I still think it uh reaches cult status i, mm-hmm. I still oh. want to revisit again you know oh it's still worth watching like i said in my letterbox review it's like i gave it three stars and i'm like it's not a great film but the parts mm-hmm. of it are so good and I, go ahead what? i think I think what the director really wanted was like a Rocky horror picture kind of deal because, you know, he, I think they really expected it to be like a cult status type of movie from yeah. what I'm seeing from like the, uh, you know, back behind the scenes and that type of stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Ted, Ted Nicolau, like he, it sounded like, the kind, like he knew, he knew what he was making. Like mm-hmm. by this point, he had already made Dungeon Master. Dungeon Master is also is a campy film. Um, mm-hmm. Well, one, he's one of like seven, he's one of like seven directors on Dungeon Master. So, but. Uh, and you know, I think some of Ted Nicolau's other more ambitious films p- play in the same wheelhouse. Like I haven't seen Bad Channels, um, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's but but, but with radio, okay. Uh, and Blue to Cult. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I I I've heard I've heard mixed things about that, but kind of you know that cheese factor and i think when you're intentionally making a cheesy movie it's a real delicate balance because it's kind of like um what's a good example like um well in music like i i like metal Mm -hmm. and i like a lot of new metal but when it's when it's cheesy throwbacks to old metal i don't like it okay it's not authentic it's not authentic and I i don't think um necessarily they wanted more cheesy but he did want to make it a comedy 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's certainly a comedy, but I think the comedy is so goofy that it goes into campy cheesy. Yeah. And I think that's funny in parts, but it's, it, it's the kind of tone that's very hard to end. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot. You can't, it's hard to nail the landing of this. When you make a movie like this, it's very hard to nail the landing. I don't, and, they, and they clearly did not do it. <laughs> yeah, the landing gears did not come down. Did not <laughs> they did deploy. The belly. kid was eaten. At the end. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I am glad, Norm, that you uh, made me revisit this. I did rank it. Oh yeah, I'm doing that now. Yes, I have my list of movies. Okay, um, I see. Let me see. So I have ranked every movie on Cinema Oblivia. Um, this does not beat Sorcerer at number one. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> You can I find this list. Sorcerer. This list is on Letterboxd. Um, Sorcerer was a great movie. Um, yeah. so the number is, we are at 67 films. Number one is Sorcerer. Number 67 is the Firestarter remake. Um, <laughs> that will always be there. Um, okay. I ranked this pretty low, but still in, an, in the good area. I ranked this at 48. Okay. Which, in case you're wondering, is between the original Firestarter and the original Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, okay. Not as good as Big Shots, though. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think as good as Big Shots. Big Shots is for... Just, just to give you a little, like, some context, it goes Big Shots, BMX Bandits, Runaway, Ravenous, Firestarter, Terrorism, Gone in Seconds, Thrashing, Seeds, Natural Born Killers, and, uh, I'm sorry, it's Coonskin. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was the seventies. Hey, we had young, young blood. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, um, if you, if you want to watch everybody, you can find it online if you look hard enough. But it's also a cheap Blu-ray. I recommend it. Um, Norm, do you have anything else to add to terrorism? Uh, once you hear the song, you will never stop hearing it for the rest of your entire life. So be prepared for that. Yeah, I apologize because I'm going to use it in this podcast a lot. So, but. Norm, um, where can people find you on the internet? Hello, everybody. I am Norm, also known as Normally Retro. You can find me at twitter.com slash Normally Retro. Uh, yeah, I'm still there. Uh, I don't like the politics of Twitter, but there's no way to find out about so much rarity in gaming mm-hmm. and yeah. other cool mm-hmm. stuff. So what can you do? It's, it's an evil that I have to still participate in. But also my channel is youtube.com slash a question of character where we go over a certain character every week and to see what they're about. Yes. Very fun. What, who's, who's going up this week? Uh, this is Duke Nukem of all people. Oh, oh no. Yeah. This is going to be a fun one. Oh, fun, fun in quotes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, I'm on Twitter at Lost Turntable, and on everything else is Lost Turntable. Uh, I want to really quick mention my YouTube channel. I haven't updated it in about a year. Um, I, I don't know if I will again because I just don't have the time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, I want to talk. I want. I want YouTube tips. We got to talk later. But hey, yeah. I do plan on getting at least one more video out. I feel bad because people keep subscribing to my YouTube channel. Uh, and like I, I got two more subscribers today, yes. uh, which brings me up to got almost 800. Let's um, go. But I haven't done a video in 11 months. <laughs> so someday it'll be updated. Same thing with my blog. Um, I'm, I do plan on writing more about now that Japan has opened up again, I'm going to update my uh, record store guide. 
cool. at some point because people seem to like that. Uh, but I might put that on Medium because that's a more stable platform than my website. So, uh, but until then, and then, and I got more stuff coming here. The podcast should resume a semi-regular schedule now that I am not in the hospital and I can breathe. Yay! Yay! All right. But and anyway, so uh, I'll be back again in two weeks. Until then, take care. Show's over, sucker. <laughs> <laughs>